All right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca Podcast episode. I am your host, Nathan Holritz, uh, also CEO over at photographersedit.com. And uh, it is good to be here with you today. It's good to hang out. Um, It's actually Friday. We're live streaming. And for those of you that are listening to the audio version of this after the fact, you can go back and watch the live stream if you go to facebook.com slash Boca Podcast. And uh, we have a number of live streams. In fact, pretty much every episode now, we are live streaming over on Facebook. So make sure that you take a look at that. Uh, Soon we'll have an active YouTube channel as well where we'll be pushing these out and you can look for the live streams there. We'll certainly make you aware of that once that's ready to go. But um, make sure, for those of you listening to audio, that you come back and see the visual experience, which is going to be today's episode, because I've got an incredible guest I'm going to introduce here in just a second, and you're going to probably want to see what we're talking about in addition to the listening. Um, Very quick secondary note as well, something that I've been mentioning for some time now is a a website called Charity Water. And I'm going to actually pull this up here really quick, just so I can share this with you as we're talking if I can actually type this out. Uh, There we go. All right, so I'm going to pull this up so you all can see this. There we are. So I I just want to very quickly mention, and for those of you that are listening um, and have been listening for some time, you'll know that this is something that we've been talking about. I've been encouraging you all, our listeners, our community, to give back just a little bit more. This is a company or an organization that we've been involved with for some time at Photographer's Edit. I've been giving to personally, but... um, I would also encourage you all now, I'm, I'm trying to get a bit more involved. In fact, I donated again today, uh, as I told you I would before every book of podcast episode, enough water to give yet another person clean or enough money to give another person clean drinking water. And whether it's this organization, a local community organization or otherwise, always look for opportunity to give back. It's super, super important. And I just really want to encourage that uh, for us here at the community. It's certainly a good reminder for myself as well. All right. Enough rambling on my part. Um, I want to introduce our guest for today. Taylor Jackson is here with me, uh, my new friend. We were chatting a little bit before we get started. We're going to have a lot more conversation today. Thanks for hanging out with me, Taylor. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. I can't believe you do that intro live. Anytime that I ever try to do an intro, it's like there's 15 cuts in it. And yeah, (laughs) well done. Well done. Well, you don't see the fumbling around behind the screen. Normally, I have a screenshot to share two of the the actual receipt from my donation. Of course, just for the sake of leadership and making an example. But um, I I totally forgot to set that up today. So for those of you listening in, forgive me. I promise I did it. I I could always post it later. But yeah, the the, the live streaming thing has been kind of a fun challenge. You and I were talking about learning new skill sets before we got started on air. And just this live streaming experience in the last couple of months or so has been um, at times a little bit hilarious, certainly a little bit stressful, but I love the challenge of it. It's like, man, there's 60 different things going on here on the screen and lighting and a camera and audio. And and it's kind of fun to learn to keep up with that in addition to having good conversation. So um, I'm, I'm taking the challenge on. It's it's fun. Like I feel like everything that you learn, you're essentially a tiny television broadcast studio. So obviously, <laughs> as a photographer, as a video creator, those skills they're going to find a use somewhere also um, for client work or whatever. So it's cool to just keep learning new things and figure it out and push yourself. Like it's hard enough to do a podcast, and it's hard even harder to add the layer of actually doing the technical direction <laughs> of the entire thing while hosting. It's as true. Well. So yeah, yeah. I've got multiple windows and screens going on here. It's kind of fun. And actually, to that end, one of the screens that I have pulled up, I want to remind everybody watching and listening in that we do, you know, part of the purpose of doing these live streams right now, for the most part for us at the Book of Podcasts is just to have the video content to share after the fact. Um, But 
in addition to that, of course, the major benefit, and I hope as this becomes uh, or as we develop this as a streaming platform, that we have more involvement from those of you who are listening in. Comment, ask questions. Taylor's got a lot of information to share. We're going to get into a variety of topics today. So don't hesitate to post those comments or questions there as you're streaming on YouTube or on Facebook. Uh, just a brief introduction, and we're going to kind of build on this as we go, Taylor. But for those of you listening in or watching, if you want to follow, and you're going to want to follow Taylor on Instagram, it's Taylor Jackson. I posted that up on the screen for those of you that are live streaming. And uh, man, we were talking about you have a variety of websites. I'll just go ahead and share all these really, really quickly. TaylorJacksonPhoto.com. That's your that's your wedding photography website. Which, by the way, we're going to come back to in a second because I have a question for you about that. Uh, Taylor Jackson courses, which we'll also come back to in just a little bit, and then. You've got a half a million followers on YouTube, youtube.com slash Taylor Jackson photo. We'll link to all these in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Honestly, I don't even know where to start. I mean, like there's so many different things that we could potentially talk about. Uh, man, let's let's start with with the first thing. And I actually mentioned Instagram earlier. And again, I'll pop this up on screen. Taylor Jackson. I'm, I'm a bit jealous, Taylor, and envious of your ability to not just simply think outside the box, but actually translate that to content creation. And, I, and we were talking about this beforehand. And content, content creation for me is very structured. I do it very intentionally. And what that kind of limits, I think, in some cases is wit and kind of outside the box thinking and even communication style. Does that come naturally for you? Um, I think I have to, I think it's a learned skill. I think creativity is also a bit of a learned skill that if you keep doing stuff, you just kind of get better at it and you see more opportunities. Um, I think what I've been doing recently at least is kind of taking inspiration from different aspects of things that I enjoy as far as content online that's outside of the photography and video space and figuring out ways to kind of port elements of that into what I do for kind of the, in the photography space or maybe for my wedding photography business or uh, for new experiments on like TikTok and whatnot. Um, I think it's just, it's, it's fun. Like it's a, I feel like you kind of have a little bit of a blank slate when you're an entrepreneur and you can kind of make it whatever you want. And I feel like that's kind of what my social presence has become. Fortunately, mm. it's not f far enough kind of in left field that I don't book any more weddings that people still do see me <laughs> okay. as a wedding photographer slash video creator. Um, but I, I definitely am probably on that line of people being like, does Taylor even shoot weddings anymore? And I shoot like, <laughs> I think in 2019, at least I think I did like 67 weddings. So I, I shoot Whoa. a lot of weddings. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of I don't know. Like, I love that blank slate of being an entrepreneur mm. that you're kind of creating the business that you want to book work for next year. Um, so whatever you're putting out there, you're probably going to be attracting ideal clients in the case of commercial photography or couples or whatever. So um, I kind of put out what I enjoy. And a lot of the time that comes back to me. Sometimes you fail. Sometimes things are really successful that you wouldn't have expected. But yeah, it's it's fun. Well, it, it's an incredible variety. And so that's really a great segue to my, my next question. And as I ask you this question, I'm going to pull this up. For those of you who are live streaming, I've pulled, uh, you'll, you'll see, of course, here on screen, for those of you that are listening to the audio version after the fact, youtube.com slash Taylor Jackson photo. So I'm here on the homepage of your YouTube uh, channel, which again, over half a million followers and such a wide variety of wonderfully produced content. Again, more questions to come on that in a bit. But you mentioned to me before we started today that you've got a number of projects coming up. And are those all associated with YouTube? Or are there some others as well that you want to share? Some... 
I would say it's kind of all over the place. Um, most of it is, I would say, it's all in a content space. So a lot of it is kind of we'll find at home eventually on YouTube. Um, earlier today, we actually put up a, a tutorial that's two and a half hours long. It's like the biggest wedding photography tutorial that I've done. Um, fortunately, I was able to actually render that at a premiere, which was a bit of a struggle for the past three days. Um, so it's up there now. And I know everyone that works in premiere or Final Cut, they know the pain. Um, How big a file was that, that final render? Uh, it's like 27 gigs. Wow. Um, pretty big, but yeah. yeah, the problem is not the upload. The problem is actually putting it together on my computer and, um, it just wasn't having it. So it was a few days late, but it's up there now. Um, and I would say that that was kind of something that I was thinking about building even back in October. We shot a lot of it last October and I was like, do I really want to drop this like super helpful tutorial in the middle of the winter, at least in, in North America, when people aren't likely going to be shooting their first weddings for a little um, so we put it up today, and I suspect that a number of people are probably looking at their first weddings ever that they're shooting maybe in a couple of weeks from now or um, some at some point this summer. So uh, I figured that it was it was time to release it, and uh, I'm super, super happy with it, and it's cool to finally have such a big project out there. Well, and, and I, I'm trying to pull this up here on, on the live stream uh, on YouTube, but we've got, it's, it says, free two-and-a-half-hour wedding photography tutorial behind the scenes at 10 full wedding days. I mean, I'm subscribed to your channel. I was actually spending some time in it this morning. And, and first of all, the production value is, is just incredible. Um, so major props to you for that. But, but then you. the way that you've approached, especially the behind-the-scenes thing, I, I don't think I've ever seen this before. So this is, this is actually my next question. I'm curious. And, and I want to encourage our listeners to go to your YouTube channel and check out these behind the scenes and, and wedding day coverage that, that you share because you somehow, and I still don't know how you do it. I'm curious if you don't mind sharing, how in the world do you attach what looks like a GoPro to your camera for the full wedding day and it not get in the way of you actually shooting? Yeah. So it's mounted to like kind of a flash bracket. It used to be all just GoPro adapters and that okay. was a little clunky. It worked, but it wasn't ideal. Now it's just a flash bracket. So I actually have, um, like when I shoot video, I love having a handle on my camera. And now when I'm at wedding days, I also have a handle on my camera. Um, just to, it, it feels more comfortable to hold it that way. Not when you're actually taking photos, but kind of the in-between. Um, so I kind of, I am totally fine with having that. And it's kind of a back mounted um, looking, it used to be looking over the settings of my digital SLR. So the idea was that you could just see literally all of my settings all wedding day. Okay. Um, now that I'm on mirrorless, it's a little different um, just simply because the the refresh time on the, the OLED display isn't quite as good as the, the old one when it comes to capturing on video. But um, I do my best to put all the settings up there eventually. But yeah, it's just mounted behind there. And it's something that um, I don't know if it was inspired or just completely stolen um, from the movie War Photographer. Um, really? From James Notchway, like, uh, what was that, like 2001? Okay. Um, that was a great film. He had to mount, I'm assuming, like a full very large camera to his camera. Mm -hmm. um, now with GoPros, the tech is so good and it's yeah. so small that it's not a problem at all. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know what he brought, but he literally went to uh, like actual conflict areas and con conflict zones with his camera, um, with the video camera behind it like that. So um, I thought that, that was a cool angle and I thought that it was an interesting way to show behind the scenes. Um, my struggle when I was getting into weddings was that I emailed every single photographer in town and none of them would let me second shoot for them. <laughs> um, well, they didn't say no. They just didn't ever get back to me. Okay. Um, a few did. Uh, a few good people in the area did. And they were like, hey, I'll sell you a flash. And I was like, okay. Yeah, okay. I'll buy that. Um, 
And then eventually, two or three years down the road, it turned into actually maybe second shooting. But it was very much in the beginning, I wasn't able to just go and get that hands-on experience. No one would have me out. So um, I figured that whenever I got to a point that I was shooting a lot of weddings, that I could bring that quote-unquote second shooting experience to YouTube pretty easily, right. um, as well as fill more in with voiceover and actual notes on the screen rather than mm. just living it on the day, which is, um, I wouldn't say more valuable, but equally valuable in kind of a different way. So um, that's kind of where that all came from. And yeah, it's um, it's fun. We got like, I'm going to say like 35 different full wedding days up now and, yeah. well, um, and hopefully that, more this, this summer. And as you're talking, actually, I'm, I'm pulling up the one you, you shared one with me this morning because I, I want to just very briefly show a screen grab of the the actual perspective that that you're shooting from so i'm going to do this really quick and i'll share my um my uh, screen here the browser window so this is super cool because here you can actually see not just what you're seeing but you can also see the settings on the camera the top of canvas somehow and still i don't know how exactly you've got that thing mounted it doesn't like totally get on your nerves all day long but it's cool that not only can you see what you're doing you can see the settings that you're shooting with and then, of course, the the result um, that you're sharing after that. I, I just think it's really, really well done. And honestly, it's kind of a refreshing break from what I've seen and some of the other behind the scenes uh, video work from other photographers, which seems kind of overly produced. And and a lot of it centers around you know a third party who's filming the photographer working versus actually seeing that first person perspective that you share in yours. I think it's super value valuable and, and actually unique. Uh, so I'm super impressed by that. Yeah, it was um, mostly like it, it is a real wedding day. So I don't I don't if I'm bringing somebody else that's running video, I want them running video on the actual wedding day. So this is very much like the I'm this is not the primary focus of what I'm doing today. I'm here to actually photograph and document the wedding as best I can. Um, and with a GoPro, you can just kind of click on and just let it run. And it's way easier. You don't have to think about it. You're not like queuing up shots or calling action or anything crazy. And it's um, yeah, it's easy. And now it's just kind of part of my workflow for for wedding days. Well, uh, again, major kudos to you. We're going to link to your YouTube channel in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. For those of you listening in today, if you don't do anything else, I mean, I, I would hope that um, that you would actually listen and take away. We're going to, we're going to, in fact, we even have a topic. There's so many different things we're talking about. We have a primary topic. We're going to actually talk about hybrid shooting. We, we just recently did another episode along a similar vein, but this is more kind of practical implementation, what it actually looks like to include video uh, along with photo in your business. We're going to even get to that here in just a little bit. Andre says, how is it mounted? There's a comment in, in here coming from YouTube. How's it mounted? Couldn't figure it out. Maybe you just, you said that, um, can you share just a little bit more detail? Yeah, if you um, if you type into YouTube, probably Taylor Jackson behind the scenes setup, I did a video on it. And the only difference between that video is in that video, I'm using a GoPro session, which is a little black box recorder, which I yes. love. Yeah. Um, but then they just never updated it and they killed it. I think GoPro session five is like the last one they did. Okay. Um, whereas the nine is just so good now. And also the nine with the max lens, whenever you rotate your camera vertical or horizontal, it'll maintain a regular landscape uh, video image, which is like, makes my post-production so much easier magic um, yeah so yeah so I, I run that it's big and annoying um but <laughs> my couples kind of know that i do this now okay. um whereas in the beginning i i wasn't being like sneaky about it but i definitely didn't want them to be reminded that i'm recording some sort of video here that i want them to be themselves and if that's interrupting the actual wedding day experience and making them a little more uncomfortable um it's not something that i want to be doing so at that point i kind of kept it as small as possible but now um like unless it's somebody that's actually in the photography or video or 
television industry. No one even asks me like what this GoPro is doing anymore that they know I'm there to shoot photo and video. And really, it's just okay. kind of, it's just there. So yeah, it's, um, interesting. It's interesting progression over the past, maybe two years. Everyone used to ask about it. Now no one does. Huh? Okay. Well, it, again, everybody listening and watching, you got to go check it out. It, the perspective is wonderful and you're going to learn a ton from those videos and uh, we'll link to, to Taylor's YouTube channel in the show notes. And Andres, thanks for the question. And again, for those of you listening in, or more specifically watching actually the live stream currently, please don't hesitate. Ask questions just like Andres did uh, on YouTube, on Facebook. Ask questions as we go along here. There's going to be a lot of value to be had from Taylor's perspective and experience. On that note, Taylor, we're going to actually get into the questions that I would normally ask here at the beginning of a podcast episode. Um, and, and I'm going to do it, I guess, kind of in conjunction with one more question that I had about your website. I'm, I'm going to pull up your website here at if Taylor Jackson Photo. And I'm going to actually type this in as we go to it. TaylorJacksonPhoto.com. We've got a, kind of an intro video here. And I'm going to click on the website link. And this takes me to your website. Now, I want to get into brand position here in just a second. But your take on a website is quite intriguing to me. I don't know that I've really seen any other photography website, at least as of late, that looks like this. Just a few images um, centered on the page, very, very little text, and then some links to, I guess, additional recent galleries or blog posts. I'm curious about your take on this. Like, wh What was the thought process behind that particular design, and how does that translate to the way that you're able to connect with clients? I figure that one of the things that, um, I don't know if it sets me apart necessarily, but I feel like it is definitely one of the things that helps me sell my services, uh, is the fact that I am out there all around the world creating lots of different work. And I feel like you get a lot of social proof and credibility from that. So rather than just having an updated blog that people can look through, I really wanted to push people pretty quickly to head over to Instagram, um, so that they're able to actually kind of experience more of not only wedding work, but also other work that I do as well. Um, and I found that to be I guess it's very difficult to quantify or to split test something like that. But uh, I would say that overall, it's made my ideal client a lot more attracted to me and probably my ideal couple or my non-ideal couple even more not attracted to me, uh, which is totally fine. That if they, if we would have found out after a half hour phone call or in-person meeting that we weren't the right people for each other, I would rather them just know that right mm. away. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it's at least as, as far as emails go that um, everyone that inquires now seems to be an incredibly qualified lead okay. and they have probably already done some research. They've probably been to my YouTube page. They've probably watched some actual behind the scenes videos, which I yeah. feel like is a, a huge litmus test that if, if somebody's not into that or that style of coverage or that's not what they want, sure. they, they know that now and, mm -hmm. and they're not going to inquire. Um, but I have a lot of couples that are just like, yeah, you're like the only one we're contacting right now. Are you available? Um, and it's, I would say inquiry physical numbers have gone down, but overall bookings have probably gone up since then. Um, since I kind of switched over and really, I did it out of necessity cause I kind of broke my old website. It was a WordPress backend and it, it's <laughs> not so functional anymore. Um, and then that's why also SEO wise that I've create like the, the largest faux pas there where you click, go to my website and you actually go to a completely different domain okay. um, rather than the domain that's been up for 10 plus years that has a lot of um, like Google, Google knows that domain. And yeah. then I just ruined all of that SEO credibility. <laughs> it's, um, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> know me. It's one of the benefits of being, I've been doing this for like 15 years now. So one of the benefits is that my name is at least pretty well known around the area. And sure. I've probably photographed uh, the sister of somebody's wedding or I've, I've photographed probably a number of people in the local area. So it's, um, it's okay. <laughs> well, it, 
I, what's interesting, I mean, first of all, it, it caught my attention because it is such an unusual design. But at the very top of the, the website, and we'll come back to the website, for those of you who are listening in, we've got the visual pulled up here. At the very top of the site, at the page, the best wedding photography is candid. And, and I want to say I saw this phrase somewhere else as well. Would you kind of say that that is a position statement of sorts? Or what, what is it that sets your brand apart specifically from the photographers in your marketplace? Yeah, it's... Um so I feel like it's at least with the saturation of the industry that you don't necessarily have to have something that's completely unique to sell from. Like you don't, need, I don't know, maybe I might be wrong here. Maybe correct me. And no, I love this. Keep, no, I, I love it. Um, Go. But i kind of feel like if the prerequisite to obviously booking any work is to be an incredible photographer, that the bar is so high now hmm. um, that that's just kind of a prerequisite. If you're a good photographer, unfortunately that's probably not going to book you a whole lot of work on its own. Agreed. Um, if, you kind of layer into that your personality and people can actually learn a lot about you in a way that they enjoy um, when they're on. So I kind of use my, my uh, travel show. We do a show with Nikon um, that I'll actually have in the signature of all of my emails um, for first inquiries. So people are like, what this guy does a travel show with Nikon. Interesting. Okay. And they'll click through to it and then they'll see like 10 episodes. And by that point they've spent a lot of time with me. If they, if they even watch one of those episodes, I would consider that a pretty big win. Um, I, by the way, I love how you just very nonchalantly just kind of slide in there that you're doing a show with Nikon. <laughs> no were, big deal. And then all the last couple of, I don't know how long it's been now, but um, I was actually I was actually two. showing my my daughter one of the uh, the videos that you did within the last I think few weeks or so about Nikon, and, and it was actually kind of a long term review of the Z 62 Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and some uh, of the I mean, not only was the experience itself, which you captured quite well in the video, uh, beautiful. But some of the stills that you captured from that area were just stunning. Where was that specifically? Um, it would have been a couple of weeks ago. We were either we're kind of re-releasing, so we released all of the episodes kind of into the beginning of the okay. the new world situation. Um, and I was like, ah, they were kind of some of them were heavy because they all, they're all individually about a topic that's um, something that creatives usually struggle with. It's not just like fun, lighthearted, like hey, let's go to Disney. Um, it's stuff about burnout and Mm. real things that we struggle with. And for us to release that into the most stressful situation that any of us have really kind of, or at least most of us have probably dealt with in our lives. Mm. Um, it didn't really go as well as I think that we originally intended. So I'm doing re-releases now and, uh, we're actually have like a little bit of a TV set and we talk a little bit about the episodes and the behind the scenes, and then we'll actually go into it. So it probably would either have been, um, Japan, Havana, or um this was, was a there, super iceland, super cold Santorini? like lots and lots and lots of snow might have been in iceland or it might have been it might have been banff canada too oh uh, yeah and i've i've had some time in banff um yeah i'm scrolling down here on your your youtube channel and it's from a month ago the nikon z62 long-term review um we'll we'll make sure to to link to that in the show notes for uh, those of you who are, are listening in or, or watching or otherwise uh, we'll make sure to put that all all in there but um, it's just, it's beautiful, beautiful stuff. Anyway, I, I totally interrupted your flow. I just, I just thought it was great how you just kind of nonchalantly, you're like, oh yeah, I happened to shoot for, for Nikon. I, but I also, in, in all seriousness, I, I truly respect your, uh, your humility as well. Um, you're not one that comes off like you're trying to go around touting this kind of stuff. So props to you. <laughs> Thanks man. Um, yeah. yeah, it's like, it's honestly just kind of like our, it's weird. It's very fortunate, but it's kind of just our, our life and the things that we get to do. And, um, it's cool because it was definitely a calculated move that, um, maybe this is getting ahead of ourselves, but like when I was first getting into wedding photography, uh, like 15 years ago, I was very conscious of what I wanted my quote unquote dream life to kind of look like. 
And I knew the bits and pieces that I needed to put in place. I knew that weddings, they could be destination weddings. I knew that weddings, even if I was uh, had a local booking here, that I could probably, maybe this will tie into to your, uh, to your company. Um, sure. But basically, I knew that I could shoot the wedding on the Saturday, mm. and then I could have everything outsourced and everything can go, and I can manage my inquiries from anywhere in the world. So for a long time, we would just travel and we would create the content that we wanted to eventually get paid for. I feel like this is the same with wedding photography, that if you're sitting at a portfolio of zero right now and you don't have anything, don't wait for it to organically come to you. Because if you do, you're going to end up with the weirdest portfolio that you're just not going to enjoy building that work. <laughs> yeah, Whereas true. if you spend some money and you set up the shoots and you go out and you shoot your mm-hmm. dream quote unquote wedding, even if it's a styled shoot, um, or you get kind of your your best friends that you have an amazing connection with and that you just love to go out and shoot basically with people that are similar to them every single weekend. Um, if you start building that portfolio, you start to get this momentum and you'll start actually booking that work. Um, so that's similar what I did in the wedding space for sure. But then it's also very similar to what we did uh, in the travel space as well that in I think 2014, 2015, um, I basically started doing this show called a photographer in that was kind of a vlog, I guess. Okay. And if I was in London, UK for a shoot and I had a day or two days off in Iceland, I would go to Iceland. I would film an episode there and I'd be like, this is a test. Wow. That if anyone ever like needs a one sheet of what I want to do, what my dream project is like, hmm. we're already kind of doing it. It's like 25% to what we wanted it to be. Um, and then eventually we got connected with Nikon and when the, uh, the Z six, the original was being released, um, we were kind of like, Hey, love to do something around this. And the idea was like, we already have proof of concept that we've gone out. We've done this stuff that we've wow. been on safari in Kenya and yep. that we actually promoted Nikon before even they were involved. Um, that safari so yeah, in Kenya, that. wasn't there a, a photo of a giraffe reaching inside whatever the, the enclosure was like <laughs> yeah. at the, the, the table, the dinner table or something like that. It's a wild picture. Yeah, it's giraffe manor. It's like, it's a wild place. They do the giraffe breakfast where okay. like, you stay in, in, the draft sanctuary, I guess. I don't know okay. officially what it's called, but yeah. yeah, there's just a bunch of drafts on the property and you do the breakfast and you do the tourist photo. Um, they've come under some fire. I, I won't go too far into it, but recently sure. since we've been there, um, they've, they've definitely had some issues. Um, okay. so maybe if you are considering going there, uh, maybe do some research and make sure it's the right decision for you first. But sure, sure. It is a once in a lifetime experience for sure. Um, just to like, have breakfast and there's just giraffes poking through or depending if you're in one of the upstairs rooms uh like <laughs> selma will just like poke her head in through the through the windows and wake you up and you'll be like oh yeah i forgot where i was i'm yeah that's a giraffe full, that is, full size yeah giraffe. is that a nightmare a dream like you can't yeah that would wow what an yeah. experience okay there's so many it's different directions fun. honestly that we could go here but I, I also want to respect your time so um let me let me actually try to make these rapid fire these next couple of questions uh, rapid fire <laughs> questions so Talk to me just very briefly about customer experience. And, and I'm particularly curious to get your take on this, just knowing that you, you think a little bit differently than the average individual. Is there something, a, a principle or an idea that you've implemented in your business that's enabled you to, to give a really great customer experience? I think at my core, um, it's really all about efficiency when it comes to kind of all aspects of everything. Um, not to say like the photography process is rushed by any means, but I definitely am... I definitely have efficiency in mind for kind of each individual piece of the day, as well as uh, emails leading up to it, which is also nice because when you're efficient with your emails, you kind of train your couples to also be equally as efficient so they don't clog up your inbox as much, which is kind of nice. So shout out to my couples for, for that. <laughs> yeah. um, 
And yeah, like wedding day, I would say even when we're doing photo and video coverage, if I have like 15 minutes total with them, uh, that's kind of all that I need. Um, I would say it's like the same wedding party, 10 minutes, maybe um, yeah. family photos. If we mm-hmm. have a, a list that we can run from, maybe that's a 12 minute process. So like yep. within, even if we have a cocktail hour to do all the photos, they get back to their cocktail hour. And that's something that they seem to absolutely love. And it's something that I also talk about um, in the first meeting that seems to kind of at least get some positive responses usually that like, Oh yeah, like we do actually want to be part of our wedding day. That would be great. (laughs) We don't want to drive 45 minutes to a park to do photos and 45 minutes out. Um, and I think a lot of my couples also, again, like just attracting or like attracts like that a lot of the venues that I work at, um, I'm a preferred vendor, fortunately at a number of venues around here and they're all kind of in-house solutions. So they will do the ceremony on site and the reception and they have a very quick, um, as far as like flow goes for the day that everything just kind of happens. And I feel like my couples, when they find a venue like that and they connect with the fact that everything just happens here, all of a sudden they're kind of already in that efficiency mindset. And when they meet Mm -hmm. me and I'm just like adding to that even more, Mm -hmm. it's usually a pretty quick thing. Um, So I would say that's kind of my focus overall um, as far as kind of what uh, customer experience is um, kind of all across the board, I would say. Um, Obviously again, prerequisite, create great work, but if you can do sure. it in a fast way, um, people tend to be pretty happy about that. We've already touched on like 16 different topics we could do secondary episodes on. I'm sure there might be an opportunity to come back and do that at some point. I mean, you did, you mentioned that the, the reality, which is that a pretty picture doesn't make a business anymore. And that is so, so true. So then of course it naturally begs the question, what are we doing for the sake of the experience? And I don't know that I've at least not as succinctly as you just did, had a photographer on yet in about 500 episodes that has specifically said efficiency. Because I think a lot of times somebody who's trying to create a great customer experience, the natural inclination wouldn't be to jump to how quickly can I get something uh, done, right? When we're talking about, because a lot of photographers, and I say that in the context of a lot of photographers these days, the when I ask them about customer experience, the emphasis is on the idea of relationship. And I think maybe the assumption is that efficiency means lack of relationship. But uh, and, and maybe you can comment on that, but I'm also thinking, to your point, if I create a really efficient experience for the client, which enables them to focus on themselves and not me, the photographer, trying to, you know, to create some construct uh, of imagery or experience, but letting them actually focus on their day, what a brilliant experience that they would have. I, I mean, I, I, in my mind, that, that's my perspective, but what are your thoughts? Um, my thoughts are that a few venues around town here that I'll, that I'll shoot at quite often a lot of the couples don't even care to have any sort of relationship with me that they email me. They know I do good work. They know that they trust me and they like me enough to hang out with me for the afternoon. Okay. And based on that, they're pretty happy to go forward with me. Um, there's obviously couples that maybe I spend more time with, or maybe we do like a destination engagement session or something with that Mm -hmm. are a little bit more involved and there is actually more of a relationship there. But, um, that was something that was interesting for me to learn was that, um, there are obviously exceptions, but as I got into more higher end weddings, um, I found that people like they didn't, they're busy enough. They're living their own lives. They don't need another relationship to manage. So they were just kind of happy to be like, yep, here's a contract. Here's a payment. Like, yeah. see you like three, six, eight months from now. Yeah. And that's great. And a lot of those couples don't want engagement sessions. They think they're weird. And I'm just happy to show up on the wedding day and be like, hi, nice to meet you. Like yeah. this is the first time ever. Uh, maybe we've met on FaceTime or whatever. Um, but yeah. And then to maybe add to that and to add to a bit of the last question, my couples, I would say 150% prefer phone calls now, even before um, 
in-person meetings were strange okay. and canceled. Um, right. I would say that most of my couples, not even FaceTime calls, not even Skype, they just wanted to have a hmm. simple phone call. Um, two of them in the room, me on the other end, uh, that they're, if they're working downtown Toronto, they're busy. They don't want to drive anywhere to a coffee shop to, to meet another guy. If they can make that process take a half hour rather than their entire evening. Efficiency. Um, yeah. And again, maybe that's just kind of who I'm naturally attracting. Um, sure. but that goes layers deep into the venue that they choose and all of that as well. So, um, yeah, I think there's other things to kind of think about. At least that's my experience on things. <laughs> Maybe I distilled it a little too this harsh. Is exact, but. <laughs> but this is exactly what I was looking for, though, because, again, you, you tend to think a little bit differently. I've seen this, and I have a lot of respect for that. And where we've, whereas we've had all this focus on the topic of relationships and countless episodes here at the, the show, there's always a different side to look at. And you're right. Like, the, the, this kind of, ironically, a bit egotistical perspective, which is that they need a relationship with me. Versus let me just figure out how to provide the best possible experience for them, which may happen to involve them interacting with me as little as possible. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a great kind of counter to, to the conversation at hand these days. So I, I love the perspective. Let me keep going, though. So I, there's, a, there's an introductory video on your, one of your websites, uh, one of your many websites <laughs> somewhere. But in, in the website, or in, in the video, rather, you say that you work six days a week and even on my day off. Of course, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but I'm sure that's probably even true at times. I'm curious with that kind of approach to business. I, I know that you love what you do, and naturally, we want to spend time doing what we love, but is there, when it comes to time management, making sure you don't burn out, making sure you have time for your wife, what, where does the time management piece come in, and how do you balance things out for yourself? Yeah, I think, so that statement in general, I would say, well, I, I guess it's kind of fortunate. Again, going back to what I was speaking about earlier, that everything that I kind of do for fun, like travel, is technically work now. And I don't think that I could consider that work. Like if my wife, Lindsay comes with me and we're in Iceland for a week filming content like that, that's, that's quote unquote work, but sure. I don't know. It's what I would want to be doing anyways. And that's what I would do with my time off, mm-hmm. um, to speak kind of more from the hat of a wedding photographer, uh, business owner. Well, my business is working six or seven days a week. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that I am. That means that I'm outsourcing, that I'm putting the, the wheels in motion to be very efficient and to get everything done. But I don't have to be there six days a week in order to do that. I'm not, I'm not going to fly over to you guys and, and edit with you if you're editing my wedding. Um, <laughs> it's just, I don't know. Like, But again, if I shoot three weddings in a weekend and you guys are working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on them, like it's very, I'm working, that's six days now, right? So I don't know. That's kind of, where I came at that from. I, f- I feel like it also just sounded nice to for clients to hear that too. Be like, oh, he works all the time. Great. I don't care about his work-life balance. <laughs> just want my photos. And, um, and also a little shout out to Photographer's Edit too. Um, and I, <laughs> I appreciate that. But but in all seriousness, the the, the notion that, that we can create a life for ourselves which can combine work and play uh, or where work, even work feels like play, I, in my mind, that's kind of the ideal scenario as an entrepreneur. And, and frankly a large part of why I'm even an entrepreneur to begin with, right? I'm, I'm not working for a corporation somewhere because I want the freedom, the flexibility that can come and can, of course, being the operative word that, that can come from not only creating my own business, but creating an efficiently run and scalable business. And, and an even more ideal scenario that you describe, of course, being able to actually work in place simultaneously. I think it's, it's really, really brilliant. So again, for those of you listening in or watching, make sure that you check out Taylor's YouTube channel because you get a taste of what exactly it is that he's talking about. We did allude to, or you alluded to outsourcing editing, and, uh, but I'm curious if there are any other elements of your business that you've experimented with delegating or editing 
uh, outside of your immediate business? Yeah. So I would say kind of the core piece of my business is actually, unfortunately, answering emails. I would say that that is something that I could hire a studio manager to do, but I feel like uh, it is important for me to keep that in-house internally and in my my brain, I guess. Um, so I feel like that's something that even though I could find someone to do, that I will always keep as as my own piece. It's also, as an entrepreneur, there's all, all different variables to kind of experiment and um, to change around as well that I find some personal joy from. Yeah. Um, but everything else, I feel like within a business, um, with obviously with the exception of you showing up for the day, um, can kind of go to somebody else that mm-hmm. editing can, can go to you. And, um, as far as like my video editing, I have a, a girl that lives locally here that's been doing it. And it's just like, it's very easy to, to set everything up, pay some people and buy your life back essentially. Mm. Um, which is kind of the key piece that I learned that if I have the time to market and I have the time to maybe book one or two more additional weddings that can cover the majority of a lot of my outsourcing for that month or even yeah. that year in some cases. So yep. I would rather shoot a few more fun wedding days. Cause that's the fun part, uh, to generate the income required to actually hire somebody to do the other stuff that, um, that I do enjoy doing. But when you're, I don't know, like if I'm shooting 60 plus weddings in a year, like to, to do the post-production for that is just like you, I think you die. I think that you wouldn't even be living anymore. I don't think that there's another outcome that, um, <laughs> that's, that it would just be like, that's it. Yeah. Agreed. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I still think back to before I even started photographer's edit and I was doing my own edit because I was shooting weddings. I shot for over 10 years and as many as 30 or 40 a year. And I started on film and of course it was easy enough to drop the film off at the lab and have that work process. But then I'm shooting my own digital files and having to process those. And I'm a bit of a perfectionist to say the least. And man, it was super, super stressful. So honestly, it was part of the reason I started the company was just so I didn't have to continue to manage that. Uh, It's super, super painful at at times for sure. But you you mentioned one thing and and I won't stay here long because we have so much else to talk about too. But the the idea, I, I think one of the apprehensions, one of the biggest apprehensions photographers have is cost, right? So here's a hundred bucks or 200 bucks out of my pocket to, to hand this editing over to somebody else. And that's kind of where the conversation or the thought process stops. What you highlight is the fact that because you spend a little bit of money, you have opportunity to actually make quite a bit more. In addition, of course, to the, the flexibility and time that comes with that. I, that's, that's such an important concept. Yeah. It's um, I would say that was like kind of one of the core pieces um, that I had in my business really, maybe not from day one, but I'm trying to think when I don't know if I 100% recommend the book, but Four Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss came out, and there were some interesting concepts that I hadn't really heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, this would have been like 2007, 2008, maybe. Yep, yep. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. Like people can outsource. Like you can have this digital assistant somewhere that doesn't live anywhere close to you manage your life. Awesome. Um, that I didn't really ingest. I feel like it's important to to figure out what you can kind of make work for you and pull bits and pieces from all different people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the concepts in there were essentially like lifestyle design that like figure right. out what you want your life to look like, put those pieces in place and know that there are times you need to buy your life back that if you can spend maybe $500 to make all of your post-production go away for that week or that month, or depending on how much volume you're shooting, uh, all of a sudden you have that time that you can put into maybe say tr- creating a travel show or creating the content that you want to exist that eventually you'll be able to book work from that will be in a similar vein. Um, So I think that's kind of what I took from that book um, overall and knowing that it is in fact possible. Um, I also did actually outsource my own. I was working a nine to five desk job um, a couple of days a week. And this was in like around that time. And I actually outsourced my entire job. So I went into work and I sat there and I worked on my photography business and I was paying somebody about $10 an hour less than what I was getting paid to be there. 
Um, so that okay. was like fun, not long term. But yeah. no, but <laughs> holy cow, man. Okay, so first of all, it, Tim, I think actually Tim Ferriss in that book, because it's, it's one that I read years ago as well. One of the things he talked about was doing essentially that. Is that where you kind of yeah. got the idea or how did you, how did yeah. you even make that work? <laughs> yeah, I had some friends that were in college and yeah. basically it started that um, I was working for a, quite a high-end projector company and stuff obviously that was like industry secrets I had to keep on my desk, but sure. they assigned me like such stupid tasks like, okay, like we know you're really good at doing like, I was kind of doing graphic design, video production and photography for them. And then every now and then they'd be like, oh, by the way, we need these like 3000 images uploaded and keyworded to Flickr. And I'd be like, well, I don't want to do that, but I can estimate how long that's going to take me and kind of block that off and take like two or three days to do that. And then I would just find somebody that could just do it for less money or that was maybe just wanted to actually enjoy the the process of uploading and keywording to Flickr, which I don't think those people exist, but um, that's kind of where it started. And then I wow. just kept pushing the boundaries. Like every week I'd get a new job. I'd be like, okay. okay, I need to make 150 digital picture frames for this trade show in Vegas. It's like, okay, somebody can do that. And this was before Fiverr too. With Fiverr, I could have, that would have been like a, I could have outsourced everything on Fiverr. You could have had like three um, jobs and outsourced them all. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow, Taylor's so productive. Meanwhile, just like working on my photography business, editing my websites. That's um, hilarious. Wow. But yeah, it was, it was interesting. And I like that was not necessarily to like stick it to the man. That was more of a creative problem solving challenge, I think, for me that I always kind of felt like an entrepreneur. And when I was working for somebody else and I was kind of stuck at that desk job, it was very hard for me to find any enjoyment from it. And stuff like that, still to this day, I find like this weird sense of enjoyment from being able to do that. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it goes back to the efficiency concept. And, and actually, Tim Ferriss has since come out, you know, he, he wrote the book. Of course, the title is what we would call <laughs> clickbait today, right? Um, but he's specifically spoken to that. He's like, I didn't think that I wasn't actually telling people that they should only have a four hour work week. The concept, the, the principle driving that whole book was work intelligently. And yeah. you, I mean, that's incredible. You did just that. Uh, wow. We could spend some time there too. That'd be super fun. It's really a great segue though to my, my last question before we kind of get into this topic of hybrid photo video business. What would you say is one of the most impactful besides the four hour work week, the most, one of the most impactful books that you've read or listened to in the last few years? I, so I, I think I go through phases or maybe I go through seasons. I feel like I go through this with kind of all aspects of my business that I go really hard on YouTube for a couple of months and I'll go really hard on something else, or we'll try to build the show up for Nikon, which comes with a lot of back end and whatnot. Um, I would say that my favorite, it's not really a business book, but I think that the concepts within it inspire again, kind of going back to that lifestyle design. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say medium raw by Anthony Bourdain, which is, I'm sure not an answer that you've ever received and you'll probably never receive no. again. That's um, great though. So, so Anthony Bourdain obviously, um, travels and, or traveled, I guess, um, and did all kinds of shows all around the world. And this is kind of, I think it's 2010, 2011. It's kind of a, a bit of what year is it? Yeah, 2010. Probably not 1905. Okay, so 2010, <laughs> he comes out with this book. And I find a lot of the stories in it very inspiring to the fact that your life can really have no limits, mm. except for the limits that you kind of put on yourself. Mm. And it's not something that he like outlines, like, here's your 10-step solution to becoming, like, enjoying your life and sure. having financial freedom and whatnot. Sure. But it kind of shows you where that upper limit is. It also shows where the lowest limit is, too. He, um, still, I guess, uh, yeah, he dealt a lot with... Um, troubling substance issues. Yeah, um, for sure. And yeah, but it shows where the bottom is. It shows where the top is. And it kind of gives you a new high watermark as far as kind of what you can go out and do if you're somebody that happens to be interested in traveling and getting paid to do it. Um, so I think that that book um, changed 
my mindset a little bit to what is actually possible. Um, this was also in the time when TV, he was probably the last host on TV that was actually kind of doing something that I found to be that interesting. I'm sure there's other examples, but um, it seemed like him and his team, like a small team of four or five people mm-hmm. would just go out. They would try to do what they could in the field and they'd mm-hmm. come back home and they'd fix it and post with voiceover and they'd put together an amazing thing. They kind of knew what they were shooting out in the field. They got to have fun. They got to hang out. Um, and yeah, so I think that that kind of showed me what was potentially possible um, in a media position without actually being like a step-by-step guide or anything like that. So um, I found inspiration from that, which is again, weird answer, but it, it definitely did um, open some doors, at least in my mind. Oh, I, I love it. And I've got it pulled up on the screen. For those of you who are listening to the audio, I've, I've, I've got it pulled up here on the live stream. Medium Raw, of course, by Anthony Bourdain, A Bloody Valentine to the World of Food and the People Who Cook, um, which, of course, like even that title is just very much screams Anthony Bourdain, somebody who also thought outside the box. So it's fitting that you would share that book. We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. All right, so let's let's dig into kind of the topic, the primary topic at hand, if you will, for the day, and, and that is hybrid shooting, so photo, video. And I want to start with, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of principle, driving what it is that we do, because it's easy to just do things and check it off a list, but if we don't have, if we don't understand kind of the thought process behind it, I think we limit ourselves. Talk to me about why it matters to you to shoot video instead of just photo to add video to that and and maybe why it should even matter to our listeners in the first place. Yeah. So from, I would say that at least, um, in the, I'm about an hour outside of Toronto. I would say when I started doing hybrid coverage in 2012, 2013, um, that not a lot of my couples were having video teams there, that there were, there are still, and there were some amazing video teams, but they were just so expensive. So a lot of my couples were kind of like, uh, like, I don't know if we can, like some like still motion and guys like that were like 10,000 plus a day. And they're like, I don't know, like if we really have that for the budget, mm-hmm. um, especially with video being seen as kind of an additional that it was never, right. I feel like it's becoming more of like a, we sh- we should have that. Yep. Uh, whereas at the time it was very much like, a hey, we found bonus money, or hey, my, my mom's going to pitch this money towards our wedding, what should we spend it on? Um, so at that time, I wasn't seeing a whole lot of video teams. And if I was, um, they would be doing amazing work, but they would very much, um, it was a production, that they would bring equipment in, there'd be somebody doing like a same-day edit, there'd be quote-unquote a director, there'd be three or four camera ops, it was like, it was a thing. Um, a lot of my couples, maybe the second reason why they didn't want a video team is because they knew that it came with a little bit of that additional baggage um, of people just kind of being all up in their space and um, taking pieces of their wedding day. So I was kind of like, well, it would be nice to just start doing like little maybe minute highlight films, mm-hmm. not tell my couples and just be like, hey, here you go as a surprise, just in case it didn't work out because it was very difficult to achieve at that time. Technically, it's easier now. Um, <laughs> what camera were you shooting with at the time? It would have been... Around that time, I'm going to guess the D800, maybe. Okay, yeah. Might have even D600. I don't yeah. know my Nikon timeline. I should because I've referenced it a lot. But um, yeah, I think I shot like a D700 for a while. And then mm-hmm. I got into one of the video bodies. Um, it wasn't the D90. That was their first video body. It was something else. Okay. Um, and I just love the look that you can get from that full frame uh, camera with like really shallow depth of field. It just looked very Hollywood. Um, again, kind of took it as a creative challenge for myself to be like, okay, I'm doing photography and now I'm going to do video too. Let's see how this works out. Um, and the first one, probably not good. Second one, <laughs> a little bit better. Yeah. Third one, like, Oh, that's actually valuable. Like that's a thing that sure. people I could sell now based on that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what I started to realize very quickly was that the why for me was to kind of push myself and maybe to tell stories in a slightly different way. What I realized from my couple's perspective was that they always love the photos, but I wouldn't really ever see them like completely crying their eyes out looking through the photos. There, there might be a single tear or two every now and then. Um, but there was no reaction um, to them actually experiencing the full day in an immersive way. Um, and when I showed a few people the surprise video that I made for them, mm. they just lost their minds. So I realized just mm. how valuable that it is that if it can transport somebody right back into the day like yeah. that, that the photography like important as well. Um, but that was kind of my, my turning moment that I was like, oh man, there's way more value in this. So I was kind of even like brainstorming ways. Like how do I sell myself as this like all in one solution that I'm just a photographer, I'll do the, the family photos and I'll do a few documentary sure. images. I'll give you like 150 photos from the wedding day, but then I'm going to make you this wicked awesome video. And I'm like, wow. how do I position that? How do I sell that in a market that, um, as it turns out, doesn't really want that, that that's not a known, mm. it's very difficult to find someone to book a package like that. Mm. Um, so I knew that it was important. So I'm like, whatever, I'll just start doing both. Um, I'll keep it as a surprise for the first year. I'll build a bit of a highlight reel. And then next year I'll start selling it. Um, as just kind of a part of what I do. And then I kind of realized that no one else was doing it. And if they were doing it, they were doing photo and video under like one banner, one name, they were usually outsourcing it or they had somebody else that was coming in to do it. So the style would always change a little bit, or um, I guess like my, my anxiety energy that I don't really want to hire somebody to come in to do something that's 50% of what I've been hired there to do. Like that seems like way too much liability for me to put on someone else. So Mm. I was kind of like, I'm just going to see how far I can push this, what I can do. I found that you can, if you wanted to do that full 15 minute um, cut of the entire wedding day, you can, that you can go out and do that, but it takes a lot of post-production, which again, like I wasn't really that into. Um, So I realized that like, Hey, I can build a highlight film if I just set it to music and make it a music video and maybe add a little bit of audio from the vows that are pretty easy to capture. You bring an H4N, you plug it in. Um, And coming back with that, I'm like, okay, this is like my happy place that I can go out, I can do this. I can feel productive all wedding day. I feel so not productive now when I'm just doing photography only, or if I'm only hired to do video, like I feel like just standing around for the entire wedding day. Um, and It'd be like I just me doing like, just an audio podcast. Now it's like the, the 68 yeah. additional moving parts are missing. This is boring. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's like kind of exactly how I felt. Um, yeah. when I went back to just doing photography only, weddings all of a sudden. And, um, yeah, so I just kind of made that a thing. I made the top package on my pricing, um, into basically the full, like, if you want me there to capture speeches and ceremony and audio and give you a longer cut. Um, I don't, I never delivered anything over about like 10 minutes after I did it the first time. Cause photography editing takes some time video editing when you're doing a full feature like that. Um, I can't, even begin to explain how long that takes you and how frustrating the process can be. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was kind of like, I'm going to make these five minute highlight videos, five minute max, usually somewhere around three minutes and 30 seconds. Um, I bring all the footage in and now I would say that I'll shoot probably about 30 minutes total of footage throughout the entire wedding day, because I know the clips that I'm going to use. I slow that down on a timeline uh, into slow motion. And then all of a sudden I just kind of cut from there and I just kind of take down to essentially it's kind of what the, the, the blog post would have been. Okay. Um, I've kind of stopped blogging cause I've just, I do many other things and that's one of the things that kind of doesn't get done a whole lot anymore. Um, and by just kind of like cutting the highlight film to be what I would usually have considered to be the blog post moments. Um, all of a sudden 
here's now this thing that they can send all their friends and people can get completely immersed in it. Um, which I think is kind of, again, the why for doing video that it just unlocks the story on a completely different day or on in a completely different way. Sure. Um, and as far as referrals went, I would say that that, I don't know if I have metrics on it. I try to keep metrics on most things, but um, I'm going to say my referrals went up two to five times what they were that like everyone was like, you need to get this guy because he can do both. And for quite honestly, less money than it would be to hire an entire other video team to come in. Sure. And I wasn't achieving like full steady cam with like the crane jib out on the dance floor, but I could get pretty close um, (laughs) to most people. And that was good enough. And the fact that it was just myself and sometimes a second photographer coming in to do it, like people Mm. were pretty stoked to have such a small team um, deliver so much. So um, yeah, that's kind of the story of it, I guess, and why I found it valuable. And yeah, it's like, it's a surprisingly valuable piece that you can give to your couples. And um, also you get to charge more money for a wedding too. So um, (laughs) bonus. Well, when you talk about the, 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 how much more emotionally compelling it is, the inclusion of, of course, not only the the moving capture of that day, but also the addition of music. I will cry like a baby with the right music, oh. and a, and for that matter, watching somebody else's wedding video. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter. I don't even have to know these people. I'm a pretty emotional guy, and and when I hear that, the right music combined with what is you know beautiful capture oh my word it totally kills me so i i 100 get what, what it is that you're talking about and we're going to dig into kind of the technical side of, of your process here in just a little bit but if if a photographer is like you know what this is something i've been considering or even just taylor what you just said is super compelling right now I, maybe maybe i should give this a shot what would you say or a few questions that they should ask themselves as a sort of filter if you will before they take that leap uh, I would say number one that you have to be able to shoot a confident wedding day. That you have to know and know that you can create amazing wedding photography in any situation, any circumstance. And then at that point, I find that it's kind of nice to layer in doing some video coverage and just okay. start at small, like Instagram Reels. Um, you can just maybe don't shoot a vertical, shoot a like 4K 60, and just cut a vertical out of it. Okay. Um, but start small and start with those tiny little deliverables, maybe go up to a minute for um, like an Instagram post or something like that. And then after a couple of weddings, you'll probably be to a point that you know kind of what you want if you were to make this a little bit longer. Um, I would say the other thing is, or maybe the hardest part, uh, maybe this is out of context of what you asked, but the hardest part is actually literally remembering to shoot video for the first bunch of weddings. <laughs> if you, yeah. if you've been, if you like I, before I did hybrid, I probably had been to 300 weddings. Yeah. Um, And as a photographer and being like, oh, crap, I need to shoot like a video clip of this. Like you literally do forget. Um, So maybe put like a sticky note on your camera or something. Um, In in addition to that extra camera that you have on top, you got sticky notes on the side just as a reminder. Yeah. Doing a photo (laughs) video and a behind the scenes and a behind the scenes video about how to do the. Yeah. It's getting really meta. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Uh, Yeah. And then I think like adding it in as a challenge, like it was a point in my career that I felt like I kind of was plateaued where I felt like I was just kind of stuck there and that nothing I could do would really help me shoot a better wedding than last week. And that was one way that I kind of pushed myself as well. So if you're looking for maybe that push, um, it will definitely help you tell stories in a better and more different way. Um, And it'll make you be completely immersed in the day rather than being like 75% kind of in the day. Like you're just kind of in the day for the entire day now. Um, which is kind of cool. Um, as far as marketing goes also, like obviously it's a, an amazing thing that you can add to your pricing sheet that like, Hey, here's a sample three and a half minute video we did while also doing photography coverage. And also it doesn't cost nearly as much as bringing in a full other team. And also if you don't want six other photography 
video people there, like it's fine. There's only two of us. Um, I feel like that's a super compelling marketing thing for at least my couples. Um, I'm kind of quiet, shy, introverted, and I feel like all of my couples are as well. So the less cameras that are pointed at them on the day, the happier they're going to be and the more they're actually going to be themselves. Um, so I would say that marketing wise, it's great. It creates a product that people are going to be super stoked with. Um, the hard part is that people just might not know they want that yet. Um, Mm. and that's what I found when I tried to market that weird package that maybe shouldn't have existed, or at least the market told me (laughs) that it should not be a thing. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's, um, it's a, it's a creative challenge. It's fun and it creates something super valuable, I think. And also something that, um, all that footage you can now use to market your own wedding photography business too. That right. you can now make better behind the scenes videos um, right. with that footage than um, if you did not have it. You're just trying to do a slideshow over you talking as well. So yeah, so I'm, there's I'm a lot a, of benefits. You may have seen me looking down. I'm a note taker. I've got a notebook here, but really that the I mean, and I love that you're continuing to come back to the benefits because it's super compelling. But when I when I think about the questions again for photographers, because of course this business model isn't for everybody, and that's kind of my thought, right? So in order to maybe filter for those who this isn't a good fit, I mean, the first question to ask is, are you in a place as a photographer that you can shoot a strong wedding or event or portrait session, whatever it is that you might also add video to? Can you do that with photo? That's a good baseline place to start. And then based on what you were saying, maybe the second question is, can you multitask? I mean, the, the idea of incorporating video with photo, when photo is plenty to keep up with it on its own, it certainly was for me as a photographer, the idea of then adding video to that, it's kind of a mind blowing concept to, to consider, but that would probably be a good strong second question too, right? Is that multitasking piece? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's just like getting that muscle memory and a lot of my couples ask like, how do you do it? And it's like, you just literally do it. You just start and yeah. you make the video <laughs> and adapt. You do adapt. I mean, it, it, this is, it, it's, it's kind of cool actually as, as human beings to watch others and certainly to personally have the experience adapt to situations in some cases very quickly. Like it, it is, it is what we are good at as humans and just keep an open mind and, and work hard at it. And, and as we put that work in the ability comes, but, um, well, let me, let me transition to a different question then. From your experience watching other photographers, what would you say are a few mistakes that photographers make kind of beginning to shoot this hybrid model and maybe those the, the solutions to those potential mistakes? Yeah. Um, first one, as I mentioned, literally forgetting to shoot video um, is, okay. the most, is the one that I see the most often. All right. Um, I think selling it before you can you have proof that it actually that you can do it. So do it as a surprise first. Um, if you're I trying love that. to do a paid gig first yeah. with it. Um, there's going to be a lot of pressure and a lot of stress and, um, it's, it's better to do it as a surprise for even the first year that you're kind of running this. Um, and then offering too much too quickly, I think is another huge concern as well that you want to be like, Oh, we're now the all in one solution. We'll do your full ceremony coverage. We'll do speeches with audio and all of these different elements. Um, but what you'll quickly realize is that there is, as you know, <laughs> there is as much to learn about audio as there is about shooting video. Oh, and yeah. There's much to learn about video as there is that you've already learned like in your entire career as a photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, so audio comes with a lot of challenges, a lot of new ways to do backups that, um, that you are c- completely unfamiliar at this point. So um, I would say by layering in things as free for first to make sure you can do it, that you can deliver um, and then slowly kind of bringing that into your pricing sheet. Um, you can even do it in a way that you put it on your pricing sheet, but you just actively kind of like sell against it. I don't know if this is good business advice, but it's something that I kind of do. Hey, if it um, works. That I sell heavy for those middle two packages for my 
basically my everyday package that comes with um, a highlight film and then also just the photography only version of it. I sell so hard into those packages and my top package, if they want it, that comes with all this stuff, they can get it if they want, but I'm not going to do any real nice discounts because I quite honestly, it's a lot of anxiety that comes with shooting that much footage. You come home with so many more gigabytes of things and whatnot to organize and to try to back up in the cloud. Um, so I would say that kind of shooting that highlight to music is my happy place and okay. I will do the other stuff, but I'm not going to make it super easy. Like it's not something that I'm always selling towards. And that's even myself as like seven or eight years kind of into this hybrid model. Um, so yeah, don't offer too much too quickly or you'll, you will get stressed out of your mind and also make mistakes that you can't like there's, if you don't capture audio or when the audio comes on, if it is, if it's too loud and it just clips your entire MP3 or wave or whatever you're recording, um, again, it's kind of like clipping the highlights of your photos, you're shooting JPEG, all of a sudden that data is just gone. Like you can't bring that back. Um, so yeah, there's a lot to learn. Um, but when structured the right way over time and not rushing into it, I feel like is, um, is kind of the key for it. That, that's good recommendation. And by the way, in case you're hearing it or anybody else that's watching or listening is hearing it, I, I, I called my apartment complex today. I was like, you know what? Taylor Jackson's going to be on my, on the Boca podcast today. You guys better not do lawn work. And uh, we've got blowers running outside regardless. So um, you may occasionally hear me, hear me mute myself so that we don't have that in the background. Apologies ahead of time if that happens. They literally come up here near my, my front door in the apartment complex probably in just a little bit. So um, anyway, just a little side note. I, I want to keep going, though, because I think and, and you, you set some good premises here and some good food for thought, some points of consideration for our listeners if they want to make this mood or move rather. But it's the... I guess that the technical challenge, you know, what it actually looks like the first, like, for example, the first thing that comes to mind for me is I'm, I'm so focused on shooting photos. Now I'm going to try to incorporate video. What does that workflow look like? Just as an example. So maybe if you can just kind of give our, our listeners some, some key technical concepts. You told me before we get started, you've got kind of five key concepts that you want to share that they should that these that that our listeners and viewers should keep in mind as they're beginning to kind of delve into this world of hybrid video and photo. Yeah, so the first one is like fortunately you've kind of already learned most of the key fundamentals as far as lighting goes and what moments to capture and you know the flow of a wedding which I think is like the hardest part to do especially from the internet to like figure all that out. Um you've already probably been to a wedding, you've troubleshooted some situations, you know what good light looks like. Um so now putting that all into video, you're already miles ahead. Um, shooting a camera with a fast buffer is also something that you should consider. Um, I shoot specifically, um, Nikon, I shot at D850 for a bunch of years mm -hmm. and I'm now on the Nikon Z6 II and they have these beautiful, lovely XQD or CF, um, yep. express cards and they are so fast. So you can take a bunch of raw photos and flip to video mode and be recording as soon as you're in video mode. Um, whereas some other camera, um, specifically things like, I, I guess the, the A7S or the A7 III, um, which is what a lot of people in our, our group, um, we have a members group for this type of stuff, um, that we, they basically finding the limit of that buffer that they're taking a bunch of raw photos and then they have to wait 20 seconds before they're able to actually write a video clip to the same card. Um, so that's a struggle for them. So make sure that your camera is technically capable of it. Most of them are, or you can find workarounds as well. Um, 
when I was shooting, I, I had a Nikon D750 as a main, and it was very much the struggle that if I took a lot of raw photos, I wasn't able to quickly switch to video. So I actually inversed my process where I would do the video clip first because it's less taxing and less data. Um, and then I would switch and do photos. So I inversed my entire process just to work with that camera. Um, so that is an option. But if you can have a camera with a fast buffer and a fast card, whatever the fastest card you can put it in okay. um, is, is the way to go about it. Awesome. Um, another thing is, uh, I guess the third point is, ND filters um, that a lot of, if you're watching a lot of how to make a wedding video online or how to do any sort of cinema, you're probably going to see a lot of things about ND filters and variable ND filters that basically just act as, uh, you know, you're a photographer, um, that they act as sunglasses for the camera. So you can slow your shutter speed down. And if you're shooting kind of double your frame rate, technically Mm -hmm. you're going to get the most beautiful cinematic image possible. Um, I do not worry about them at all on the wedding day. I have enough variables going. Um, I use a program. It's a plugin for Premiere called Real Smart Motion Blur. And it emulates, it gets to like 80% what shooting the correct frame rate would look like. Um, It's never going to be 100%, but as far as workflow goes, um, shooting both photography and video, you kind of, that's one corner that I think is, is reasonable to cut. Um, It's too complex to be like screwing on NDs and whatnot and running in between frame rates and everything. So um, yeah, don't worry too much about that. Um, Use a plugin or if you're shooting in slow motion, so if you're shooting 60 frames a second in your camera and you're slowing it down to 24 for the final delivery, I have noticed that that looks pretty good even when you shoot it at a ridiculous frame rate like one slash eight thousandth of a second. Really? Um, that it doesn't look too choppy. It doesn't look too um, like over-sharpened. Um, that it looks okay in slow motion. So maybe okay. balance what you're comfortable and what you think looks good, but don't worry about too many accessories. Um, to, I guess, go to the next point that is also kind of based on that, to shoot in slow motion, it feels a heck of a lot more romantic. um, And you can actually kind of capture those in-between moments that they didn't even realize were moments. Um, And it also makes your, selfishly, your your job in editing a lot easier that if you're shooting 60 frames a second and you're slowing that down to 24 frames, you're getting, every clip is now going to be like, I don't know what the math is, like every second is now a second or two and a half seconds. So Mm. you can shoot less footage on the day and still deliver the same length of highlight. Nice. um, and it becomes a lot easier on you. So that's kind of one of the, the things that I found that both makes a better product and also makes your life a little bit easier. Um, and it just looks pretty too. I mean, I, I don't yeah. know. There's, there's something about a little slow-mo with the right music again that's just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and a really shallow depth of field. It's just yeah. like, yeah, it's, I think it's the way to do it. That when I see a wedding film in regular speed, unless it has a very compelling story, I'm kind of like, this is weird. Like, what's going on? Like, why is this like in real life? I, I feel like I'm watching the day. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then the last piece is um, editing that you're going to shoot way too much video um, over time. And you slowly kind of dial back and you shoot less and you find only the pieces that you want. Like the first, um, for instance, like the family formal session, like I used to roll video on that and try to get all kinds of stuff and I realized I never use it. So now I just do my best to get one good clip, close up clip of every single person that's like kind of that key family member rather than trying to just film the entire family session. And it's just weird footage that you will never actually find a home. So um, (laughs) you you will overshoot. And it'll take too much time, but you will find that efficient process eventually. Mm. Um, and then I would say now if I were to sit down and do an entire highlight film for like a normal kind of eight hour wedding day, I would say that I could probably build it in about maybe an hour and 20 minutes max. Um, that it's like maybe a little bit over an hour. Wow. Um, just because everything's linear. I'm not jumping around in the storyline. Okay. I'm not like jumping to like, here's a speech and then back to the ceremony. It's just full linear. Like here's the wedding day, start to finish, set to music. Um, and you can do that in about an hour hour and a half probably. I think that's a good lesson for photographers. Good reminder for photographers. Um, 
who are just doing photo to begin with that are already shooting too much too, you know, like three, four, 5,000 images. And then you got to sort through those and you're delivering 1500 images to your client. I, I, maybe that's what you do, Taylor. I don't know. My personal take on it is that it really just becomes overkill that most clients don't have the time to dig through 1200, 1500 images, like six to 800 might be where I would max out personally. Um, but it also means more efficiency at the end of the day. Less if you're if you're delegating that culling work. In fact, at Photographers Edit, actually this year we've seen a significant jump in the number of photographers who are submitting the culling work. So they're having us do the culling and the color correction. But whether you today, <laughs> woohoo, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if whether you're doing that or not, it's you know it's going to either be cheaper because you're not now not having to pay for as much culling. Or it's going to save you time because you're not having to do that yourself. I, I think that's just a, a great reminder. Don't shoot too much. And I mean, the idea that you're able to put that together in an hour and a half or so is really, really impressive. Um, yeah. We'll have to, to make sure. Do you have any, any examples of those, those highlight clips on the website? Um, I have examples of it, but all my post-production stuff is locked up behind my course's webpage, unfortunately. I'll do okay. some free stuff for YouTube eventually. <laughs> there's actually there's some, um, there's some full wedding days that I do both photo and video. Um, but it doesn't show the full behind the scenes once I get back to my computer, but it okay. shows the, in the field, how to, how I'm doing it. Well, and I have to kind of break the fourth wall here for everybody listening in or watching this, this was not a, a setup then so that Taylor could sell his courses. <laughs> I, I, I truly, I want to say this though, because I've been in the, the industry way too long. I know that usually when, when, you know, you go to a workshop or you go to a conference or maybe there's a podcast, um, that it's it's like this kind of automatic setup for a commercial of some kind. And it, honestly, it just grates on me. I'm very cynical about it. So I just want the audience to know that that wasn't, we didn't, we weren't trying to set that up, but I am personally going to now pop it up on screen, Taylor Jackson courses. And um, I'm actually going to also show this here on, on the, uh, or the browser, the, the website itself, taylorjacksoncourses.com. There's actually a lot of content on here. And, and by the way, a lot of it's super reasonably priced as well. So yeah. Um, we'll, well, we'll you, you can sign up. It's 30 bucks and you get access to all that. Wow. So it's 30 a month, but you get every single one of those courses, which is like a ton. So yeah, yeah. A, a ton Don't of content to do it in, a, in a month. You'll die. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So taylorjacksoncourses.com and we're going to, we're going to link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com as well. Um, and, and I also, part of the reason I wanted to bring that up anyway, before you even said anything about it, Taylor is that you know, we've, we've kind of barely scratched the surface. Honestly, I mean, we're, we're well over an hour at this point, which is kind of usually my cutoff point. And we can easily spend another hour or two hours. Cause honestly, I have so many questions. Like we just kind of, we just kind of scratched the surface. So for those of you listening in, for those of you watching, take advantage, not only the resource, which is Taylor's YouTube channel. And also pop that up here on the screen really quickly again, as well, youtube.com slash Taylor Jackson photo follow Taylor, subscribe and, and look at that content, but then also get to that content at taylorjacksoncourses.com. I mean, 30 bucks a month for the amount of content that you're going to get and the quality of education. Um, just take a peek at his YouTube channel. You'll know what I'm talking about when I say quality uh, is, is incredible. And that's, that's a really, really great deal. Um, and, and Andre says, one hour is great. I did a highlight video last month and it took five hours. And, and that's probably even really good, Andre. So like, I think I, I can imagine that most videographers are spending even more time than that to put something together. So, uh, but you can, I'm sure you can get a little bit more insight into what Taylor is doing for that process um, if you take a look at his content. Taylor, this has been, this has been super fun, man. And I, I hope, honestly, I hope, because there really is so much to talk about. I hope that we get to do another podcast uh, interview at some point. Um, but just remind our listeners where in the meantime, they can follow you. I know we've been shouting out the different websites and so forth. Sum it all up for us, if you will. 
I would say just come on over to YouTube, uh, Taylor Jackson Photo. Uh, there's a lot of content on there, and yeah, I would say start there. If you want to follow on Instagram, feel free. Come on over TikTok. I make weird stuff there. Be prepared to be <laughs> weirded out a bit, probably. Um, but is yeah, that Taylor YouTube Jackson on TikTok as well? I'm Taylor Jackson on Taylor Jackson Photo on TikTok. But on TikTok. type my name in, I'll I'll pop up. I got a camera in my face always. Perfect. Seriously, this has been really fun. I really appreciate you making time for all of us. Uh, for everybody listening in, again, for those of you that are listening to the audio after the fact, make sure you go go back, watch the replay. And uh, for future episodes, make sure you're following us on Instagram, Boca Podcast. You'll, you'll see when the upcoming live streams are about to happen. You can come join us, hang out, ask questions, send us funny emojis, whatever you might want to do. Um, come hang out with us. Thanks again, everybody. Thanks again, Taylor. Everyone have a wonderful day.